always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Rohit. How's it going, man? Great, man. Dude, happy, happy April Fool's Day. And before we get into that, let's just quickly go over what the show is. It's uh, the Aaron and Rohit Hopeless Show. And this is Rohit. He is an ad genius, a futurist, and just an all-around stellar human and one of the smartest men I know. I only know like four men, but he's one of the four. Top four. Top four. And I'm Aaron Wolf, uh, filmmaker, actor, director, and uh, we came up with this whole idea because of, I go speak about topics about hope that I know about or that I've made films about, and I thought, what if we dive into things that we don't know much about or don't know how we can find hope in them? really hopeless topics. So that's how The Hopeless Show came about. And what better person to be involved with that than someone who knows everything about hope, one of the four smartest men I know, Rohit. So keep going. Great. So thank you. thanks, Aaron, for that very generous introduction. I have not accomplished anything in my life unlike you, so I appreciate that uh, You know, we could be recording this together. All right. So here's how today is going to work for episode four. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some new news, things that are happening out in the world, things that might cause a little hopelessness, and we're going to try and find that brighter side. Then we're going to play a little game at my own chagrin. And then um, we'll sort of talk about Hope Fulfilled as, as we get later into the show and sort of, uh, you know, show how nostradamus see we are. And then we'll get to our second batch of user submissions or yeah. listener submissions. Um, and yeah, let's kick it off, Aaron. So today, April 1st, April Fool's Day. Wow. Dude, tonight, you know what I'm doing? What are you doing? I'm going to the ball game. April Fool's! April Fool's! What are you doing tonight? I think, well, tonight there's obviously no baseball to watch. Tonight there's not a lot of anything to watch. Um, oh, tonight is uh, the last episode ever of The Magicians. Um, oh. So, but I'm still three episodes behind because I've been so damn busy with work. This quarantine really is, is cutting into my personal uh, personal life a little bit. Um, but I think it, it's sad today that we're, we're you know, we're not going to get any April Fool's sort of like mass media jokes. You know, uh, I remember, God, for how many how many years ago? Maybe 15 or so years ago, um, there's a product site called uh, ThinkGeek. They sell all kind of nerdy toys and merch and stuff like that. They would every year, on April Fool's, they come out with some fake products. I remember when Lost was big. They actually came out with an alarm clock that in order to turn it off, um, when it goes off in the morning, you have to type in like the numbers from Lost, like 4, <laughs> 18, 632. I don't remember what those the Hurley's numbers were. Um, and I remember that was the first time I'd ever seen that. And I was tricked on that day. And I was so upset that it didn't turn into a real thing. That it was just this <laughs> fake thing. Um, they got you. They got me. I, I, I got got. And um, so that was kind of like, you know, I think that was like the first time we saw next level April foolery. Yeah, that's good April um, foolery. And uh, I always do look forward to it. And I know we're in a very somber, morose time. Um, but I feel like humor is often the best medicine in many cases. So maybe today, you know, it's still early in the day, uh, especially West Coast time where you and I are at. Yeah. Uh, maybe today we will be lucky enough to see some sort of April Fool's pranks because um, I'm Personally, uh, I think I could use a little bit of a uh, media mix to switch it up from all the, the the ominous warnings that have already been ingrained into my head. 
Yeah, that's... What if... What if this whole thing... What if coronavirus was an April Fool's joke? Oh my God. Wouldn't that be incredible? If it was just one big thing and then they said today... Or like, today it got worse. It got like way worse. Then tomorrow they're like, April Fool's, month of March and January and February and also December. You know, the CDC then really committed. Yeah, like, they... I love when people commit to a joke. Um, but maybe, who knows, maybe we can start up a, um, like, a, uh, you know, like be Corona truthers maybe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and just sort of like try and prove this was all a joke all along. Um, yeah, the conspiracy theory. It's like who shot JFK on the grassy knoll, who was, who was the person behind the hoax. Yeah. Or like, or what if all the news stations like did the opposite. So like CNN was just like, Trump is the greatest. He's, you know, got a, you know, he's the, the second coming of whatever. And uh, Fox news was like, you know, we just want to plant trees. Uh, something like that. I would, I would welcome anything, any sort of change in what we're seeing today. Which I wish, you know, with the next however twelve hours that are left in this in this day, I hope that we can see somebody mixing it up a little bit. Yeah, people are pretty scared to do their April Fool's joke. I, I did think of one, um, which I'm now forgetting. So this is pointless to say, but I had one and I was gonna put it up online, and then I just thought, man, that's in bad taste. I can't do that. And I, it's like, it sucks because that idea that I forgot was, I think, funny, but then not funny because some people would be like, dude, like, thanks, man. That's not cool right now. Yeah. So there's like not much we can, uh, we can really joke about on April Fool's except to say like, hey, man, dude, you want to go to a restaurant after we record this? <laughs> yeah. April Fool's. Yeah. Uh. I mean, I think humor got the coronavirus too. Yeah, it did. Um, so how's your quarantine coming along? Quarantining is good. Uh, there's there's some interesting things I've been thinking about while quarantining. I've uh, watched a couple different films that I wanted to see, caught up on some movies. And I thought a little bit as, as a Jew, and with our Restoring Tomorrow movie coming out this week, people have written to me about the movie a lot. And so it's gotten me thinking about my Judaism and everything. And then I thought about Passover, because that's coming now, like that's in a week. And I think eight, nine days, something like that, it starts. And what a trip that on Passover, not only are we not gonna be able to do seders, but we're going through a pandemic. And Passover, you know, one of the big things, one of the things going on during Passover is the plague. Whoa. And it's like, we're gonna get to kind of feel and it's not a good silver lining in that, like, you don't really want to experience one of the, the things that happened during Passover, the bad things. But it's also, I guess we can reflect a little on what real Passover would be like. So instead of just sitting around a table, you know, drinking and having fun and... The Manischewitz. Manischewitz galore. I first had Manischewitz when I was five years old, got drunk on it. My parents Dude. let me go to the neighbors for a Seder. And then I came home and I said, Mom... I had four little glasses because I liked it. And my, and my mom said, I, I said to my mom, I have a headache. And she said, well, what happened? She said, well, I like the wine. And she didn't tell me this till a month later, but she told me, Aaron, you had your first hangover. Yeah. <laughs> this is me now, mom. This is me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and so, but anyway, but back, you know, 
you know, years later, the idea of actually living a piece of Passover can make us think more about what they went through and how we are still lucky we're living when we're living compared to them. I love that. I mean, and for us Gentiles uh, listening in, mm-hmm. um, are there any sort of activities in Passover that you're going to kind of, that are going to be impacted, you know, like, I mean, obviously it seems like, you know, people do Passover together, so that's going to be hard. Um, but is there anything else that is going to change the way you do Passover? Traditionally? Well, we can't, it's all, Passover is all about getting together and sitting at a table. My mom usually does it. My grandma used to do it. They used to have, my grandfather was a rabbi, so they used to have, man, like 50, 60, 70 people at the, uh, at the seders at their house. Wow! And uh, it was a, it was it's my favorite holiday, my favorite Jewish holiday. I love the camaraderie. Everyone, you do the same story. There's a lot of tradition to it. I've really enjoyed it. I like going to other people's seders. This year we had a plan. That's not going to happen. And so same idea, big group. So I don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to figure out something. And you know what? By next week, right, which will be before seder actually happens, I'll have figured out some hope about getting people together, even though we can't actually do it. Well, t- I'll tell you what, in a form of unity, um, maybe next week, whenever Passover starts, I'll make some latkes and just- You'll make latkes, you yeah. can bring, uh, you know, you can go door to door in Baldwin Hills and give people latkes. So, so that's, I'll figure it out by next week, but at least we all get to, we're getting to feel a little bit more of, of what the real Passover was like, and maybe be a little more introspective of, man, we still live in a great time compared to then when people just all died. Yeah, and you're going to put blood on your door too, right? Oh, tons of blood on my door. Yeah, yeah don't come knocking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and and so, speaking of Passover, uh, Tiger King. Yeah. Which we, is a perfect yeah, segue. We've been working on great transitions here on this podcast <laughs> on The Hopeless Show. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Tiger King, yeah, um, I'm three episodes in. Oh, wow. Okay, so... I don't want to. I don't want to give it. I don't want to blow it for you. Uh, so, what all? I'm all episodes in. Um, there is this guy named Joe Exotic, and he has this place where he has tigers, and he's gay, and he has multiple husbands. And then there's a woman who may have, you know, killed her husband. And yeah, his nemesis. The nemesis, and then there's some other tiger kings spattered around, and. Besides that, the one thing I'll tell you, because I don't want to ruin anything else mm-hmm, about it mm-hmm, except for mm-hmm. all that stuff I just said. Uh, I once went to one of these places. Oh. Uh, it was probably about five or six years ago. I went to one. It was like in Myrtle Beach, I believe. They show it in the show. Oh, with that guy, Bhagavan. Something, yeah. yeah. The total white dude with it, with like a hardcore Indian name. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, he's confused. And yeah. so the... Interesting thing about the my experience at one of these places is you go in, it's cool because you get to like hold lizards and you get to see the tigers do stuff and and they're really janky. They're really like bad zoos. It's like, it's just like you go to Disneyland and then you go to like a bad carnival, but then it's even worse. Like the rides kind of break and stuff. But And you know it's like, it's borderline unsafe. You don't really feel terribly safe, but you know, like, all right, well, these people have to know what they're doing because they run this place. But after watching this, like, they don't know what they're doing at all. Like, they're completely incompetent. So I'm just glad I survived my visit. I mean, I, honestly, it, it's I've, I've kind of had a similar experience. I was working in, uh, for a little bit in Johannesburg in South Africa 
on a project and a, a couple of guys I was working with, we decided to get up early and we went to the to the uh, tiger preserve and like it was like lion sort of preserve. It was like it was like all these big cats and we spent some time there like petting the leopards and all this kind of stuff and they were just like purring, you know and um, and it was we were told listen that don't go to these places because they're these animals they might not be treated the best you know sometimes you know they might be putting down the older animals as they get older we saw a lot of old lions there so hopefully not but yeah i felt yeah. guilty as i was petting this cat who's like i could barely even stretch my hand across to, to cover both its eyebrows if anybody has pets has a cat at home you know if you're just petting your cat you can do the old two finger trick where you're just put one finger over each eyelash and you just like massage the top of its scalp i had oh. to get my whole hand this thing was huge <laughs> this this guy could have like bitten my hand off like that but he was just chill um he may have been drugged but um probably yeah i felt guilty but it was pretty cool so i think that the the silver lining of all this is it's teaching people at the very least because i think when you see the end of the show it's really like just it's a reality show it's like a reality show about tiger place mm -hmm. and just like a lot of reality shows it's entertaining and hooks you and at the end serves very little actual human purpose except to say i think i hope people start second guessing these kind of places maybe don't go to them or maybe they stop so that animals actually get treated better. I don't know. So there's got to be something in there. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I can hear your argument about the, the idea that it's bringing awareness to animals. Um, although this might have been the best sort of advertisement for these sorts of places. I remember in the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones, all the huskies that were adopted, right? Wow. And all the people that bought huskies. And then a couple of years later, how many were ending up in shelters? You know, because people wanted little wolves. So that was husky. I, I was thought you were about to say the Game of Thrones was a reality show, and I was like, Rohit, man, it's, I know you like fantasy well, stuff. It, it's not real. I mean, we have no proof that it wasn't real. <laughs> so you prove to me that it wasn't real, then I'll, 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 I'll take that. I, mean, I won't get to Santa Claus yeah. yet, but let's start with Game of Thrones. Yeah, and I think, you know, I had I've, I've a, a, you know, a buddy named Patrick, and we worked together, and, and I saw he was like the only person right now that I saw on my feed, and this might have helped change my opinion on the show. He was sort of uh, putting out the idea that everybody is worshiping Joe Exotic as like this cult hero and he's hilarious and he's this character. He dresses funny. He's got his music and he's just really great on camera. Really great. On camera. Yes. Um, but it's it's he's getting more love for doing something that's so morally questionable. Or even not, I don't even know how questionable it is, you know, than people that are actually gone out into the world and doing real things. You know, yeah. it's like more people are talking about Tiger King now than a lot of other people who are doing actually good things. And that's okay. That's the way culture works. And I think, I hate to admit this. Yes. And I'm going to continue watching the series. We got to watch all eight episodes or seven or however many. Um, I don't know if I love the show as much as everybody else loves it. I, uh... I'm going to say something, too. So, all right. Hit me. I also uh, didn't love... You know, and I say yeah. it with, like, a soft voice yeah, because like, I don't want to... Are we allowed to say this? Like, yeah. it was just like watching a like a, a Real Housewives of Animal Parks. <laughs> Way better handle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, and also, here's the thing, man. I'm in it for the memes. I am still sharing those memes because... Yeah, it's funny. And I think in about two or three weeks, all the Tiger King memes are going to be dead. They're going to be, you know, retired. 
Um, and then it'll be our parents posting those on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, but, but you know, it got me thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd like to make a recommendation. And I don't yeah. know if, any, if you or anybody else listening is, is into comics. Um, there's a lot of us that are. Oh, yeah. Um, Used to be more, but yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, still some, it's still an art form that I will never not adore, but I don't read as much as I used to. But, but there's one thing, if I can throw out there, that is sort of like, okay, so it's called Joe versus Elon, E-L-A-N. Now, it's, it's this comic, it's written by this guy. Um, he's probably our age, Aaron. Um, you know, 21, 22. Yeah, I think yeah. he just turned 21. Yeah. All right, Aaron and I are, are older than that. Um, not much, but a little bit, but kind of much. Um, but, so Joe versus Elon. This guy wrote, he introduced every single, every two weeks he has a new issue on this comic. He's like 40 issues in or 30 issues in. And it's magnificent. He's a kid that, it's based on his true life story. When he, I think he was from Colorado, he got his pair, he got busted for trying to deal a little bit of weed while in high school. Okay? He bad didn't want to guy. rat out his bad, friends. Bad guy. Yeah, hard, <laughs> hardened criminal. Terrible. His parents freaked out so much, they sent him to like this reform institution in Vermont, which essentially, once you're in there, is like a prison camp for teenagers. It's a, the, the counselors abuse you, they teach you how to abuse each other, and it's violent. It's really violent and dehumanizing. And um, so he's writing about his experience because these kids, they couldn't escape, they had armed guards, and then they had monitored phone calls. They couldn't even take a crap by themselves because they had to get berated while they sit and take a crap. And the thing is, it went, this went on for decades and it was started by this cult founder that started a few different other cults. And the parents always thought it worked because a lot of kids would come out, they, they strip you away of your whole humanity, the kids come out really messed up, but normal, but like following the rules. And the place was actually shut down um, maybe a decade ago. Um, and there was kids that killed themselves at the institution, killed themselves after it. Um, and this story is about Joe, a true story. Um, and he's got, a, you know, every two weeks, uh, by week, he's got a comic issue that you can just go on Joe, Joe versus Elon. It's all free, but if you want to support him on Patreon, he'll even write you into the comics and stuff like that. Really? Yeah, and it's it's one of the most fascinating reads I've read. And, 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 and what I love is like, what we're talking about situations where, you know, right now Tiger King and Carol, and whoever else in, in this current Netflix documentary, there's real human emotion. There's real human battles that are happening. Mm -hmm. This is something that I think if you guys are into Tiger King, let's say we're not knocking it. We're enjoying it. Maybe not as insanely much as the internet you know, is, or maybe everybody's kind of feeling, yeah, I like it a lot, but the memes are great. If you want a really amazing story based on something real that's happening, check out Joe versus Elon. And that, it, it just, it gives me hope that you can actually have some sort of reality documentary told in a whole new format like these comics that's awesome i want to check it out just your description of it i think is better than tiger king and not be again not because that to get to have something real that's not just sens sensationalized meth addict tiger guy with who murdered people with the other woman who murdered people this sounds like it's about real real humanity and real real like even coming of age would it be that? So I, I'm excited to look at it. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited to uh, look at it. And I think, I hope that we keep discovering more things like that rather than only watching things that are more fluff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so that's a good, great job. Good. Thank Thanks you. for yeah. finding that. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. And just want to spread liter great literature where I can. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, I got some bad news this morning. What? Uh, popped up on my feed. Um, apparently, Zoom is the devil. No, I, There are a lot of people who I thought were that 
these days, but it's Zoom. Yeah, and I'm not just saying this hyper hyper hyperbolically. Hyperbolically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a big word. Um, Let's go with it. And the apparently Zoom has tons of privacy vulnerabilities, um, and there's actually a, now there's, there's a big, there's be a big surge of a big backlash right now as Zoom sort of um, you know rises in popularity. There was an article on the Verge this morning, which is you know one of my favorite tech sites. Yeah. Um, and right now they're sort of talking about um, how uh, Zoom has battled security and privacy concerns. Um, Apple's forced to step in and silently re re remove Zoom software from Macs last year after serious after serious security vulnerability that let websites hijack uh, Mac cameras. So um, in recent weeks, scrutiny over Zoom's security practices has intensified with a lot of the concern focused on its default settings and the mechanism that makes apps so easy to use. Essentially, um, people are brute forcing their way into rooms, you know, showing their junk and whatever. That's that's funny of stuff. Of course, I've done it every day this week. It's amazing. It's called Zoom booming, apparently. <laughs> um, and um, also, there's ways that, uh, you know, Zoom can actually infiltrate um, your secure your your actual computer um there's also your your meetings apparently are not encrypted end to end like um facetime would be or like whatsapp, WhatsApp message yeah. um and uh there's you know there's also they're supposedly they're tracking the attendees even once they sign off um and they're not sharing any of their transparency they're holding on to all their data um the fbi is warning schools about using zoom right now um the uk's ministry of defense has banned zoom while it's uh, facing security implications it's investigating security implications um and so all this stuff is starting to pile up this morning and here's a problem i just got on zoom oh, because no. it's so fun man like oh, and and no. tomorrow we've i'm supposed to be sitting on a panel talking about you know like tech and coronavirus and that's supposed to be on zoom live streamed you know they take that feed live streamed to twitch but dude i've had so many like great ideas for the backdrops i'm going to be using and like I attended a birthday party of, of my coworker Keith. He had, you know, he, he had his uh, 31st birthday and we all like a bunch of people, like 30 some people dialed in with Zoom and we kind of like all toasted together and like everyone's sharing funny backgrounds, pictures of him. It's like really been, I think, one of the standout heroes of this quarantine uh, has been Zoom and everybody getting in together and seeing each other's faces and being being creative together. And all we've sudden, done it. We've had we've Zoom happy hours. It was great. And we've done that twice. And yeah. so Aaron and I are part of a you know very close group of friends. Um, it's you know there, there's there's a bunch of us couples that just get together and just have happy hours. And I don't know. Well, like well, we have to find a new platform. But here's the thing, man. It seems like I wish this was an April Fool's thing, but it really seems like the darling of the quarantine, as much as we can call it that, also is completely messed up. So what do we do? Well, I guess on the on the bright side, we you know talked about Pornhub a bit and how it's a hero for saving trees. It was a couple episodes ago. Because they've been recording, and right now I'm guessing a lot of people are using it for maybe some more R or X rated stuff to, to be intimate with each other. So if they've been, if Zoom has been grabbing it, then Pornhub will have more content to put on Pornhub because right now the porn industry can't operate and they need more content. And by getting more content, more people will have more things to watch. And by having more things to watch, we'll save more trees because every time you watch a Pornhub video, you save a tree, they'll plant a tree for you. 
So Zoom is actually indirectly having Pornhub grow trees. So you're saying you and me and all the listeners um, right now, we pretty much need to embrace our new careers as cam girls. <laughs> yes. Okay, great. <laughs> We're cam girls. My great. cam girl yeah, is, uh, is still Aaron, just with an E. Uh, so, so speaking of cam girls, uh, John Jones. We're trying to do the best transitions possible. Yeah, we need to go to transition school. Transition school, yeah. It's, uh, it's, I think, run by the University of Phoenix. John Jones is an MMA fighter, one of the best ever. He's also tested positive for steroids a lot of times, like many, many times. He's broken rules. He, he just screws up constantly. So I saw in the news he got arrested for drinking and driving and like he was driving while intoxicated while also like screaming at people and stuff like he was just driving around drunk screaming at people all right that's not good so he got arrested as would probably happen because there's not that many cars on the road and if you're drinking and driving and screaming at people you're probably going to get arrested so he got arrested and today they handed down his uh the, the what I'm drawing a blank. What's the thing? <laughs> the the verdict or the I guess uh, it's ruling or judgment. His ruling or and sentencing. judgment. But but it's not really a ruling in judgment because what they said I don't know anything what about they court. Said, <laughs> what they said about John Jones, one of the best MMA fighters ever, who also is one of the biggest screw ups ever, is that <laughs> he has to stay at home. <laughs> And I'm like, wait, that's your punishment, John? Like, the courts, that's what you thought, like, that's what he has to do? Not community service, not, like, go out and clean up the streets with your masks and stuff, but just stay home? Like, so I could have done that. I could have gone out drinking while intoxicated, screaming at people, and then got the same, like, so... Ah. We are all... John Jones on this blessing. We are day. all John Jones. Yeah, we are. All, we all have a bit of John Jones in us. Yeah, wow. And if you don't know who he is, look him up. He's a big deal. So is he still active? Like still fighting and stuff like that? Yeah, I think. I think maybe his last fight, he also like two days before tested positive and couldn't do it. But when he fights, when he actually does fight, like crazy shit happens. Like there was one time he kicked someone, and I don't watch a lot of MMA, but he's like the big star, and he kicked someone and his leg like broke in half, and that Whoa. was gross. And then he came back, and then like beat up a bunch of more people like he's really crazy and now he uh is stuck at home so i wonder what that feels like john <laughs> Dude, you know it's wild like i can't i i can't watch mma mainly because i'm a huge wuss mm-hmm. in the sense like i like because that's actual actual real violence you know like there's literally people getting their noses broken there's like like you say like legs snapped in half like i can't even like like, if I'm getting my blood drawn, I can't even look at the needle at the doctor. However, I can watch, like, you know, when I used to watch The Walking Dead, I can watch literally zombies get brained, and I can watch the goriest movies, like, heads exploding. Because that's just in the back of my mind. I know it's fake. But when it's, like, uh, real stuff, like, dude, I am, like, I am PG-13. You have tough. blood compartmentalization. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, a I just, disease. Yeah, it's... I, I need to cure that. Um, so, anyway, we're all John Jones. Yeah. You uh, have trouble with... Um, real blood yeah and 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 then i think this transitions us right into nipple rings yeah nipple rings so um you know uh 
I think there's been a new sort of celebrity coming out of New York over the past uh, you know week or so, um, and, and that's uh, um, Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. Um, and you know Governor Cuomo, former mayor of New York City, um, now governor of New York. Um, he's been doing these, I guess, uh, daily briefings, and um, everybody is you know he's he's charming, he's informative, he's not you know knee jerky he's stern and strong and like he's like doing a really great job people like andrew como for president and everything was going so smoothly so smoothly until we hit a couple double bumps in the road oh no um yesterday morning um and i don't know if you saw this aaron and i'm gonna pull it up but apparently um some internet sleuths based on his press conference from yesterday um andrew cuomo might have nipple rings and might have worn them to the press conference <laughs> um <laughs> And I'm pulling up a picture. On a day when his brother, Chris Cuomo of CNN, got coronavirus. Um, it's, he wore nipple rings in solidarity. Which I solidarity. think could be a thing now. Um, <laughs> so, here it is. Um, I have a high-res high, high res image. Let's see. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so... For the camera, those are those are either nipple rings, or he just um, likes to put pasties on his nipples in case anyone sees them. Yeah, and there, are, it's maybe, but there's a lot of people saying, "Listen, they're suspenders, guy. They're suspenders." Uh, you know, and old people they say, you know, they wear suspenders like underneath their shirt to keep their pants up, and like they're called braces. You know. Oh. Uh, However, mm -hmm. I call malarkey because. Yes. His golf shirt, there's images of him from the same press conference. His golf shirt is tucked in. So therefore, how does one tuck in their shirt and also wear inside suspenders? Impossible. And um, they also, was an analysis that people <laughs> did online. They're saying, hey, listen, his nipples are too low for those to be nipple rings. But then someone found a picture of his brother, Chris, shirtless, and they analyzed that the nipple height in the Cuomo family is actually likely lower than the normal man. So um, I trust, you know, I trust these internet detectives out there. So we've eliminated suspenders. We've eliminated the fact that, hey, listen, there's too low to be nipples. His nipples are that low. And I want to believe, and like the rest of the internet, we want to believe that Andrew Cuomo, and this is not kink shaming, this is kink celebrating, that, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, we have a governor that not only stands up tall and tough on, you know, viruses, but, you know, he's also possibly a leather daddy. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, I, I feel encouraged. I feel encouraged that even though I am not into this general genre, I feel encouraged that, you know, people in public office are feeling free to, to be themselves a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we can get away from, you know, like the Bob Dole-isms of like, you know, doing the, the thing with your thumb where you kind of make a fist but stick your thumb out and then oh, yeah. talk really like this. As you notice, like every politician does it and they don't do it until they're running for office. But when they're running for office, they start doing the, 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 the hand with the thumb thing. Like, who does that? When have you ever talked like that? Never. When have you ever needed to do that? Never. So maybe Andrew Cuomo's nipples are transitioning us into the era of a realer politician. I What do you think? Love it. I think that the, I'm going to go get nipple rings. Great. I, mean, I just think it's, he started a trend. I think it's a beautiful thing that he is free to be himself while also leading the country. And he really is part, because it's, he makes it not about himself. It's about the people. And I, I like what he's doing. And, uh, 
And I think that the nipple ring thing, I think more politicians should embrace it because it just shows who you are. If it's not a nipple ring, it could be another thing, something kinky, something just shows we're all just people. Yeah. Like there's no one, just because you're a politician doesn't mean you're like better than someone else and all that. And he's showing that he's just a dude. I just hope that one day in our lives or our children's lives, we can finally see someone on the debate stage in a full gimp suit. <laughs> that's uh that's a a gimp suit. Okay, so so speaking of gimp suits, that's I there's nothing left. Um uh let's transition. I think this transition works. This one actually works, yeah. Uh orgies in Spain. Tell me more. Uh and by the way, for the listeners out there, Aaron and I, we, we have a shared document that we add in the topics that we wanted to, to discuss every week, but we purposely do not actually divulge more details on it. Mm-hmm. So we have real, so right now what you're listening to is, I have no idea what Aaron's about to talk about, um, but I'm super curious. And that, you know, that nipple rings transition, I guess it was just a beautiful harmony tra- of a transition. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let, let's, let's. sorry, Aaron, but go no, ahead. No, it's, it's, it, it does feel harmonious, especially with the topic, uh, which is about people being together. Orgies in Spain. Uh, in Spain, they're having one of the biggest outbreaks of coronavirus. It's terrible there. And uh, it's terrible here. It's terrible everywhere. And a group of people decided that they were going to have a big orgy. And so they got a bunch of their orgy people together. I, I like, again, I've, I'll be honest, I, you know, this is about coming clean. I've never been a part of an orgy. Yeah. Um, you know, an orgy, this is like, I think it was something like 20 people or 30 people. I wouldn't people. even know where to sign up for one. Like, yeah, yeah. Where, I don't know where, you, did you go to like orgies.com? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to be an orginist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, got together, they, they were having their orgy, all these different Spaniards, uh, and the cops came, because you're not supposed to be in a group of 10 or more, let alone having an orgy, and they broke it up and arrested all the orgy people. <laughs> orgy people, I guess, that's like a type of person. And so all the orgy people got arrested, and what was interesting to me is, one, the decision during a pandemic to have an orgy, and two, that the cops actually like walked in on the orgy happening to arrest people. Because where I see, you know, some, a good like bright spot here is for cops right now in Spain, keeping everyone inside and all that, it must just be so hard. A lot of them are getting coronavirus. It's just a very tough job. And I commend all the, all the people working, uh, the health, the health officials, the cops, the ambulance worker, every type of person that is helping right now. And to me, this must have been a bright spot in their day because keeping people inside and stuff, that's not fun. Walking in on an orgy, mid-orgy, and then breaking it up, that's gotta be a story you're gonna tell your grandkids. Oh yeah, unless it was like a gross old people orgy. Uh, that would be bad. <laughs> I, I saw, I think that would make it not as good. The um, well, I think because especially older people are supposed to stay inside even more because it affects them more. Yeah. My guess is it wasn't. And the one person they showed a picture of who I think was orgy leader, so there are orgy leaders, I learned that too, uh, is he was, you know, probably in his 30s or something. So 
I think it was a good moment for the cops. And oh I commend God. those cops for going, breaking it up, and whatever they saw, you know. Do you think they had to like go to each like group and be like, all right, this group, you stop first? I'm like, I don't like, know. I would love like, to know. I'd love to like I'd love to have them on this show if we could somehow find the cops who broke up the orgy and have them on the show to describe what it was like to have to go break up this orgy. It's like must be like like handling a litter of kittens. You know, you put one over here. And then you grab the next one, and then the first one runs away while you grab the third one. And then you're just like, everybody just keeps re-orgying. Um, so, <laughs> you repurpose your orgy? You um, yeah, it's like an orgy, like uh, liquids are fluid, and they take shape of the container. And when you introduce police into the container, the, you know, the orgy just moves around. Um, and <laughs> so that's how this, that's how these, uh, this would have happened. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, first of all, it's pretty selfish to be, you know, sharing group sex um, during a time when everybody's supposed to be indoors. Um, but maybe this, maybe out of this we'll see an innovation, like where people can have virtual orgies, right? And it's like, you know, going back to, to the cam girl thing, maybe if, if everybody is orging together. Oh, there it is. Yes. So um, a couple years ago, at this point, five, six years ago, I gave this talk uh, at South by Southwest about haptics, um, which is pretty much like being able to feel your technology. Hmm. And there's actually a... Um, a, uh, a category called teledildonics. Okay. And where pretty much um, you take a flashlight and <laughs> a um, like a dildo, and then you have them digitally connected to each other, or two flashlights or two dildos, however, and and pretty much you can remotely have sex with somebody, um, and then feel it in real time based on the other person's instrument. That's like their physical, like you know, their digital instrument. Um, because it's like measuring their real instrument and then sending those signals. <laughs> and so like that was kind of a way people have like remote virtual sex. Now imagine one of these teledildonics companies was able to kind of just like find these orgy people like, hey, listen, guys, now that you're back home, stop having orgies. But here, everybody, we're going to give you like an instrument. Maybe there's a way they can code some sort of oh. mass digital teledildonics. You know, the new era is upon us, Aaron. <laughs> teledildonics where they can... And then they can tap into the Spanish orgy market to start. Obviously, they're the leaders. And teledildonics will take off in Spain. And then from there, who knows? This could be... We should patent this. Yeah, this could be the new Microsoft. Yes. Uh, yes. The we founder know. is like yeah. Steve Jobs. I'll never make that money back. Right?